Welcome to Stories from the Midland, a collection of historic tales from Teller County and the surrounding areas. In today's episode, we're looking back on the promise of the Cripple Creek Mining District at the very beginning of 1896. This episode is being presented for you by Tommy Allen. I was looking for a New Year's story about the Cripple Creek District when I came across the Rocky Mountain News article, Cripple Creek Prospects Vindicated, released in their January 1st, 1896 edition. This article is a celebration of the success of the Gold District and an excited look to the future. Today's episode of Stories from the Midland is made up of excerpts from this article to give you a clear picture of how life and business in Cripple Creek was during that formative time. The article starts out by valuing the output of the Cripple Creek Gold District at $8,100,000, or just under $290 million in January 2023 money. The article goes on to say, the Cripple Creek Gold District is the richest and most promising gold district in the world. In the much vaunted gold fields of Africa, ore is treated that yields not to exceed $12 a ton. In the Cripple Creek region, Colorado, the average value of ore per ton is from $75 to $100, and some of it runs as high as $20,000 per ton reaching in isolated cases to $40,000. What is considered excellent product in the Kaffir mines is thrown upon the waste pile as not worthy of the expense of extraction in the fields that lie upon the slopes of Battle Mountain. 1895 with its surprising finds will, when the eventful history of Cripple Creek is closed, be conceded as the red letter year from which the renewed prosperity of Colorado received its greatest impetus. It is probable, it is certainly possible, that this new year at its death will show a record of over $15 million in gold taken from the earth in Cripple Creek. But the old year that is passed from the stage will be reverenced as the period in which the greatness of the future was made known. The weary and dangerous stage line, the frontier life of ruffianism, and the other disagreeable elements which characterized the days of 49 and 50 have passed away. It is a strange spectacle to the pioneers of the far west to witness palace railway coaches landing prospectors in a mining camp, schoolhouses and church spires, streets lighted by electricity, ore brought from the recesses of the earth a thousand feet in darkness by the mysterious fluid, telegraph and telephones, waterworks systems, daily newspapers, all these innovations are bewildering when one thinks of the early days of toil and tears and of the hardships of other mining days. Beside the thriving towns of Cripple Creek and Victor, friendly rivals for supremacy, there are bergs dotting all these gulches and all are typical rustling mining settlements. There is Anaconda, at the foot of Gold Hill in Squaw Gulch, named after the Great Anaconda Group, 
a town of 1,000 with commodious schoolhouse and three large stamp mills hidden in the defiles of the towering mountains. Altman is a prosperous village on Bull Hill, only two years old. With a population estimated at 3,000 with a hotel, boarding houses, and general stores. Then there is Gillette, where the El Paso Reduction Works are located, a thriving settlement with excellent water privileges. Goldfield has 1,500 people, all miners, and is rapidly increasing in population. Lawrence is pleasantly situated and almost barren ground until a few months ago can now show a dozen or more actual shippers with indications that the number will be doubled this year. At the 1st of January, 1895, there were 119 claims which had shipped ore or had shipping ore in sight, making an increase of 60 for 1894 over 1893. Today, the number is 204 and is being constantly augmented. All of the old shippers are producing more and better ore than ever, and scores of new ones are putting down shafts, running levels, etc., and blocking out ore. 119 mines are equipped with steam hoisting machinery and shaft houses. To these 119 plants on the mines could be added a dozen or more which are working on prospects which will bring the number up to fully 130 at the present time. Only 34 steam hoists were in use in the district at the beginning of the year which makes an increase of 96 or an average of 8 per month. Machine drills are in use on the Anaconda, Independence, Independence Number 2, Squaw Mountain Tunnel, Strong, Sangre de Cristo, and Gold Dollar Tunnels. Air compressors have been ordered for the Portland and Moose Mines, and a dozen other mines will be worked with air drills before January 1897. The Great Portland leads in tonnage and value of output for the year as it did in 1894, and it appears certain to hold its place in 1896. During the year, the company purchased Black Diamond, Lowell, Lost Anna, and Devil's Own. The wonderful independence comes next in value of output. When the lucky owner of this mine decides to push the output to the full limit of the hoisting capacity of the machinery, the world will be convinced that the independence is the greatest gold mine of ancient and modern times. Poverty Gulch is the name of the road that leads to the Bonanza Mines of the Cripple Creek District. Every mining camp has its Poverty Gulch, but in the history of the Far West, there have been few thoroughfares that wind among the pathways of the hills that are mined with such fields of gold. Each of the mines has its own history, and if the stories were written of privation, of heroism, of unrequited toil, and then by their side the lucky strike that landed the poverty-stricken, weather-beaten, disheartened toiler beyond the pinchings of poverty, if all this were chronicled and the bare truth only stated, then there would be written chapters that would discount the works of fiction and the simple recital would leave the romancer without occupation. 
These stories of early days telling of wrecked hopes and bewildering discoveries when least expected are to be found in every shaft and in every lonely cabin that stretches from Tenderfoot Hill to Anaconda, the other side of the peak. Here, as elsewhere along the route, there are only instances of the man who held the forlorn hope a little longer and whereby so doing, he won the prize for which he had come into a bleak country as it was in those early days. What abbreviated portion I've read here is certainly less than half the entire article. If you find yourself interested in the article in its entirety, on this episode's webpage, I'll post a link to the edition where you can find the article starting on page nine. Also on the webpage, you'll find many of the illustrations that accompanied this article. And among those illustrations will be a map that contains all the locations mentioned. To find this content, visit storiesfromthemidland.com slash podcast. At the beginning of 1896, Cripple Creek was a place of promise and dreams built on the broken backs of those who prospected and failed and those who persevered and triumphed. The Rocky Mountain News was only one of the many newspapers that celebrated the success of the gold camp as a victory for all Colorado. And with that acclaim came a great influx of population and supporting businesses. It would lead to the organization of a new county and the establishment of new millionaires. In the following decades, the district would see power plays and labor strikes and terrorism and be hobbled by two world wars. Gold production would be slowed greatly because the old methods for pulling it from the ground would become too expensive to provide a good rate of return on investment. But in 1896, times were good, and the future only looked brighter. This is Tommy Allen, and I hope you have a great day. And should you find yourself hearing stories of privation, of heroism, of unrequited toil, commit them to hard drive, paper, or memory so you can share them with others. I look forward to having you join me for more Stories from the Midland.